evening to everyone who has come to the midweek service tonight. There is a hymn that we love to sing, uh, particularly on a Thursday night, and that is 645. Is there a heart or bound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing, all your anxiety, leave it there. again without the music come then at once delay no longer he is entreaty kind and sweet you need not fear a disappointment you shall find peace at the mercy seat
many anxieties and cares that the Lord's people are passing through in these days, and not least those that have been ill, and our sister Madge, as many of you know, is nearing the gates of glory. Soon she will go to be with the Saviour, and she's looking forward to that, and very much resigned to that fact that she'll be with Christ very soon. And the family are there waiting, waiting for her to rise to glory. And although there's great uh, trauma and anxiety on a human level, yet there's great victory in knowing where her sister is going. Chrissy Blair has come through surgery this week, and we are remembering him uh, especially before the Lord. So let's pray together. We're coming to the mercy seat as the hymn writer says, where Jesus answers prayer. Lord, we're glad that we can come to the house of God midweek to a place like this where the blood-bought people of God gather together. We come to share our burdens, our anxieties, the vision that God has given to us also for his work. We come to fellowship the one with the other, with those of kindred spirits of like precious faith. We come to pray unto our God. We come to study his word. Lord, this is a special time for the church. And so we're glad that there is a door open like this where we can come and gather as the Lord's dear people. As we meet here, it's always on the grounds of redemption. We come to the presence of God pleading that name that is above every name, the name of our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No higher name, no greater name there is than this. We thank you that the Father has given to him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We come, Lord, in our circumstances with our need. We have personal needs tonight. We have family needs, and Lord, you know them all. We have other needs, and we're glad that God sees us. He understands us. He bids us to come with those needs and to cast our care upon the Lord. And we're praying tonight particularly for Madge, in this time when she's coming towards the end of the earthly journey. You've given to her long years and most of all you've given to her eternal life. And We're glad to know that when that moment comes and Lord we don't know when it'll be but thou knowest she will soar to heights of glory to be with her saviour which is far better. We pray for grace and we pray for help, not only for Madge, but even the family at this time. We thank you for bringing Chrissy through this second procedure this week, and we commit him into your care. We pray that the good hand of the Lord will be upon him in recovery, and that thou will bless him. Bless the others in our church that are weak and sick and dead aside. Remember the aged and the infirm. Remember those that are struggling those that are going through the various cares of this life, remember them for good. Remember those that are seeking out the will of God for their lives too. Maybe right now here in this meeting and listening in on the internet, there are those that are earnestly seeking out the mind of God for their future. We pray that you'll give them guidance. Guide our young people in these days. And whatever the Lord has for them by way of vocation, may they know it's the will of God for their lives. It may be that among them there will be preachers, there will be missionaries, there will be those that will get involved in the Lord's work in a greater way. We pray that you'll bless our young people with a vision for Christ and a desire to serve the Lord. Thank you for that good time of prayer last Friday evening, and we pray that you'll continue to bless our young people with a spirit of prayer. So abide with us tonight and do us good here in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow night, Chrissy will be uh, speaking to the young people, and there's other things, of course, happening at the Youth Fellowship. 
Youth Fellowship is at 8 o'clock. Friday is our presbytery meeting by Zoom this time uh, for the elders of the church. Saturday morning, the open air in the center of the town. There, there's three seats and they're calling out to you right here. One, or you can sit beside each other. Amen. Uh, so 11 o'clock is the time of the open air. Come and stand with us in the gospel. Next Lord's Day, the early time of prayer is 8 o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30, Bible class, quarter to 11. And the worship service then at 12 noon. We return to our meditations in the Gospel of John. On family night, Adrian Coffey from Portavogie will come to give his testimony. That's the 7 o'clock meeting. And we have our half an hour of prayer beforehand. Adrian, as some of you will know, is a fisherman from the village of Portavogie. And many years ago, he was swept overboard in a freak accident that almost claimed his life. And in this time, God spoke to him. And he's going to tell that story of God's grace in his life and mercy to him, saving him, not only from a watery grave, but from eternal destruction. Supper is provided, and ladies, we're asking you to help out with this. Thank you in anticipation. We're just announcing again on the 31st of March, that's a Friday night at 7.30, the Sabbath School Social will take place. These are all the announcements that I need to make just now. We're going to sing a hymn that was sung last Sunday night in Bangor. And I understand the Maternahan girls sang this hymn last night at the Ladies' Fellowship. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. I'm going to keep our seats for the opening verse. I'm sure many of you know the hymn. Yeah. Put your hand up if you know it. Oh, well then it'll be good singing. Well, we'll let you sit for the first verse anyhow. And I'll keep an eye on who'd really try. <coughs>
try it out on a Thursday night, and if it was good singing, we would then be able to sing it on the Lord's Day, so you did fairly well. Let's open the scriptures to a very familiar portion of scripture on the subject of prayer. Luke chapter 11, and we're going to read the opening 13 verses. These are tremendous words, and most of what we read will be the words of Christ to our hearts tonight, and he, he speaks these words because the disciples come looking for instruction. And so we're going to think about this tonight and we'll seek the Lord and call upon his name tonight later on. Verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. But a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you that though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And we're ending the reading there at verse 13. As we sent out in the little WhatsApp group a short time ago, I want to speak on a needful request. And it's simply here, Lord, teach us to pray. In the opening verse, it came to pass that as he, that as Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. With that verse before us in the passage of Scripture here, let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we believe that you have something to say to us tonight in your word. Something here that's old but ever new. A passage that we are so familiar with. And yet we want to, to feel the freshness of it, the impact of what's happening here, that it might be helpful and beneficial to the people of God. We certainly need to be taught how to pray, to pray. And we pray that the Lord will instruct us, that he will teach us, and that this will be a great night and the prayer meetings in the coming weeks will be tremendous times as the Lord comes down and gives us great freedom and liberty in the place of prayer. Anoint these lips of clay with God the Holy Spirit and help me to bring forth this message tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There is a very real sense in which true prayer flows naturally and spontaneously from the heart of the believer. And often we can pray with great liberty and freedom when our hearts are full of praise and adoration to God. And 
When our souls are burdened and we are anxious for others, now that might be the sick, it might be the suffering, it might be the sorrowing, it might be the sinful, but we are so burdened for them and anxious for them that prayer seems to flow so readily. There are those times when we close ourselves in alone with God in the closet. We get alone with him and we experience the overwhelming sense of his presence and again prayer comes readily and freely. There are also those public seasons of prayer too when there seems to be greater liberty and God's people enjoy spontaneous prayer. One after the other prays. There's no waiting. There are no gaps. There's a desire or there's no desire to go home. You just want to stay in that place. The Lord is there and we feel and we sense his nearness and we just don't want to leave. I can remember many years ago when I was the, the minister in Porto Vogue, during a week of prayer there was a real conscious sense of the presence of God. Prayer was flowing so freely and the saints prayed with great freedom and burden. And nobody wanted to go home, but we felt we should close the prayer meeting. We should send them home. But say, those that really want to come back and continue in prayer should do. And so they came back, I think it was at 10.30, somewhere around that time, and prayer continued. And if my memory is right, something like 32 people sought the Lord that night in prayer. We have known little seasons of this in Balamani, in special times of prayer, we can all look back to those times when there was freedom and liberty. God's nearness was sensed. There was praying with burden and earnestness and, and brokenness. And God just seemed to come down and visit in a powerful way. Oh, that this would be our oftener experience, that the Lord would come more often and visit these times of prayer with us. I pray for such visitations the Lord would come and give us that freedom to God's praying people. Now last Friday, I think we did have a little breath of revival among our youth. It was our prayer night. 39 were there. A little bit down in numbers, as we said, but of those 39, 33 young people prayed publicly. Um, when I say young people, that included Samuel and me, just to uh, put the record straight. Uh, Samuel's smiling there, but well, we are young. I was just thinking today about Methuselah, and uh, we're all young compared. We're all, if you ever want to feel young, think about Methuselah, all right? And we're young compared to him. However, more than often enough, prayer is a battleground. It's really wrestling with God, like Jacob wrestled that night, all the night through. It's an uphill climb, not, not, in, a, not in a bad sense, there is no doubt that prayer is a battleground. We, we wrestle, you see, with so many adversaries. We wrestle with the devil who is ever at our right hand to resist us. We know that. And we wrestle with the world that's always calling us away from the place of prayer. And we wrestle with the flesh with all its weariness and tiredness and rebellion. And so, really, it takes commitment and dedication and much resolve by the grace of God to keep at the business of prayer. We should covenant with God never to be absent from those seasons of prayer. We should set aside the prayer seasons as regimentally and as rigidly as we do every other appointment, whether it's work appointments or meal appointments or leisure time appointments, we should set aside our prayer seasons as rigidly as that. You will find much resistance, but be resilient and loyal and devoted to Christ in this matter. We need the determination of Jacob. He wouldn't let go that night. That's what he said. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And so he, he wrestled with the Lord until the breaking of the, the day, till dawn. And we need that kind of determination when it comes to the matter of prayer. 
We need the fervency of Elijah when he ascended up into Carmel to pray for the rain, put his head, we're told, between his knees. And that, that's certainly a posture of great fervency as he, he cried to God for the rain to come, pleaded the promise, because God said the rain was going to come, but yet he prayed for it. We need the persistence of the, the widowed woman who kept coming to the unjust judge until he heard her case and avenged her off her adversary. We're coming to a, a God that's not an unjust judge. He's a just judge. He's inviting us to prayer. He loves his people to pray, to draw near to him. And so we have greater encouragement to be persistent than that woman had that we read about in the scriptures. We need the unashamedness of Daniel. Daniel was not ashamed to pray. And whenever the edict was made in the land that nobody was to offer prayer to any other than the king, Daniel threw his windows wide open and he was certainly unashamed with regard to his prayer life. We need the importunity of the early church that kept praying for Peter until Peter was released from prison in the most miraculous way in Acts chapter 12. We need the, the fervency of Christ. Didn't put that on the slide, but we certainly need the fervency of the Savior who prayed more earnestly. And if you want to find one of the most earnest prayers in all the Bible, go to Gethsemane and see the Savior there in prayer. And although prayer should come freely and with liberty, for it is, as the hymn writer described it, the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air, Yet we have so much to learn. That is so for the new convert starting out in the Christian life. If you haven't been saved long, you have much to learn. But truly it is so for the mature Christian. And some of you tonight have been saved for decades and yet there's so much still to learn when it comes to this matter of prayer. In Luke chapter, 12, Luke chapter 11, the disciples the best and the most honorable believers of that time, they came to Jesus with an earnest desire burning in their souls. Lord, teach us to pray. In fact, they add the words as John also taught his disciples. The followers of the fiery preacher, John the Baptist, were taught by him how to pray. And the disciples of Christ, they want to be instructed likewise. Lord, teach us to pray. As John instructed his followers to pray, Lord, instruct us. I have no doubt in my mind that these men were greatly impressed and challenged by the prayer of Jesus Christ himself. In fact, the whole prayer life, not just this occasion. We are told in the opening verse that, that Christ was praying in a certain place. And I'm assuming tonight that he was praying just there alone by himself at the start of this story, wrestling and pleading and interceding with his father. And then by and by the disciples came to that place of prayer and they watched. They watched as Jesus talked to his father. They didn't interrupt him. They wouldn't do that. We should never do that if people are praying, never interrupt them. That would have been a mistake. That would have been bad-mannered. It would have been disrespectful. And so they waited. They waited until, we're told here, he ceased. He stopped praying. And then they make their request to him. Lord, teach us to pray. It's my opinion that the disciples observed something in Christ that they lacked. They saw a fervency, a power, an enthusiasm a real unique intimate contact with the Father that they didn't enjoy, at least to that extent. They felt in themselves that there was something missing, a deficit, if you like. The great difference in the manner in which Christ prayed and how they prayed. And so with such a feeling in their souls, unable to pray 
like the Savior that they are now observing, they make their request known. Lord, teach us to pray. The Lord willing to give instruction and to build up these disciples in the matter of their prayer life, he gave them guidance and understanding in the art of prayer. And we do well to remember these things, for in the words of Christ we have very sound advice, very practical instruction, and a summary of what our prayers should be like. I wonder tonight, do you feel a need in your heart for instruction? Is there a lack of something in your life with regard to prayer? Would you sense and feel? Would you know how to pray and what to pray for? Well, here's some very noteworthy instructions to ponder over in our meditation tonight. Here's what the Lord has to say as he instructs us in the art of prayer. And I want you to learn from it. Be instructed. The teaching of Christ will help you to pray, will teach you the things that you ought to pray for. Your mind will be enlightened by what the Savior has to say. And so approach this subject with the same earnest desire of the disciples. Right now in your heart, you look to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me to pray, and you will be taught. My first point will be the longest, because what we have here from verse 2 to 3 is the pattern in prayer, the model prayer. Lord teaches to pray, so Jesus says in verse 2, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You will know this as the Lord's Prayer. As we have sometimes suggested to you, better termed as the disciples' prayer. If I was to look for the Lord's Prayer, I would go to John 17. That's his prayer. This is a prayer for you and me. This is a a prayer for the disciples of Christ. These are prayers that we can, can say. There's nothing wrong with repeating the Lord's Prayer. It's given as a model, the various things that we should bring to the Lord. These are the subjects that we can pray over. And you want to note them carefully. Our Father, which art in heaven, here we are showing how to approach Almighty God, as we come to pray, to approach him as our Father. We are coming with a privileged title that demonstrates a privileged relationship. And that's what we have. We're brethren and sisters in Christ, and as we come to the presence of God, we come with this privileged title. We can call him our Father. And praise God, we're coming with a privileged relationship, for we are his children When we approach God, we do so reverently because he is the mighty sovereign of the universe. He's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer, the upholder, the king of kings. He's the judge of all the earth. But not only do we come reverently because of who God is and all those things that I've mentioned, but we come to God as dear children. And that means we can come intimately. Coming to our heavenly father, we are part of the family of God. We have a God in heaven who is related to us. We are his sons and we are his daughters. And he therefore has a special relationship with and a special love for you and me. As a tender father, he's interested in what we have to say. As a loving father, He will give us those things that are good for us as any father on earth would. Our Father. That's how to approach him. Hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed means set apart. There is no one like our God. 
He is completely unique in everything. His name is set apart. In ancient days, the term name meant more than it does with you and me. It summed up the whole person, the whole person's character. God's whole person is set apart. And so again, we are seeing something of our approach to him. We're coming to the God that's set apart from all others. And then we have some of the petitions now mentioned, the things that we ask for. Thy kingdom come. You know, man, today, as you look out into society, or they're all building their own little kingdoms. That kingdom might be their properties. It might be the governments that are building their power stations in this world. It might be, in some countries, dictatorships. It might be people looking to take over other countries, as we have happening over in Ukraine when we think of what Russia is doing. And they're all building their own little kingdoms on earth. But for the Christian, nothing is more important than God's kingdom. And God's kingdom might be applied to the souls of men. In the preaching of the gospel, we're seeing the kingdom of God in that sense extended as the gospel is preached. Men are enlightened. They come to trust in Christ. And so we're praying, thy kingdom come and souls are being saved. It might refer to the eternal kingdom. We're looking forward to that day that is yet to be in the eternal realm. It might even have an application here to the millennial kingdom, praying that that kingdom will also come. Thy kingdom come. We want to see God's kingdom established. That's a prayer that you can make. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Here's something to pray about. Brethren and sisters, we cry for God's will to be done on earth. In our own personal lives, in the lives of our families, in in our churches, in our country, in, in the world in general, no matter what, even in those things that we don't understand. We're always glad to have our Ukrainian brethren with us as they come to our Bible studies on a Thursday night. Who can understand what's going on in Ukraine and this war when it comes to the 24th of this month? It'll be a year since the war started. I don't think anybody last year anticipated that the war would go on as long. And as we listen to the news, things are heating up. And we know that Putin and his army have plans towards the end of this month and on into the springtime. There doesn't seem to be an end to this war, and yet we're still praying, Thy will be done. We don't understand it, Lord. We can't take it in. We can't interpret what's happening in certain parts of the world, maybe not even what's happening in our lives. But, Lord, we certainly want your will to be done. Spurgeon gives a very searching thought on this. He says, He that taught us this prayer used it himself. In the most unrestricted sense. When the bloody sweat stood on his face. And all the fear and trembling of a man in anguish were upon him. He did not dispute the decree of the father. But bowed his head and cried. Nevertheless, not as I will. But as I will. Submitting ourselves to the will of the father. Thy will be done. In heaven God's will is done Immediately, it's done spontaneously, it's done faithfully with the deepest joy and in the most perfect manner and we ought to aim to do the will of God in that way. Let's pray for it, thy will be done. There's another petition that you can bring before the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. This model prayer that the Lord sets before his disciples and us shows us how we can freely bring our daily needs to God in prayer. Isn't it good to know that God, God's interested about our daily needs? He cares not only about the big things in this world, but he cares for you. He cares for your daily bread. And that just doesn't mean the bread on your table, but all your daily necessities, things that you need every day. God, God cares about those things. And he says, I want you to bring them to me. I want you to pray about it. 
Lord, supply my need day by day. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Just as we need daily bread, so we need daily forgiveness. Just as we need one for the body, so we need the other for the soul. We sin every day. And therefore we need to come to the Lord for fresh cleansing. The Savior's words assume as we plead for forgiveness that we are forgiven towards other people. If you want to think about the phrase that is used here, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And we ought to have a forgiving heart. We're expecting God to forgive us our sins. We should be forgiving towards others. Lead us not into temptation. Or the word might refer to a test here. God does not tempt us to do evil, but he does allow the testing times in our lives. There may be the thought here that we are to be asked, where we're to ask to be spared such situations where we would be weak and vulnerable. And where we might even succumb to temptation if put in the midst of that, Lord, deliver us from such things. But that's what the other bit says, deliver us from evil. And we need deliverance every day. Teach us to pray. And so the Lord gives them this model prayer, the pattern in prayer. Just a little note on what verse 5 through to verse 8 is teaching us. We have here persistence in prayer. And so he, he gives this beautiful illustration of a friend, which of you shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, and his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I think you'll agree with me that this is a beautiful story. It's an instructive story. And I can just picture it in my mind as I have done many times. You've got to put yourself there in Bible days when maybe they didn't have refrigerators and freezers that you might have a little bit of store there or a pantry or whatever you call it nowadays that you can go and get your food uh, readily stored up. But uh, it's an awkward situation. Somebody's arrived late at night and the man has nothing, nothing in the house to give his friend. So what does he do? He goes to his neighbor. He goes to his friend, not just his neighbor. He goes to his friend. But you see, it's midnight and uh, most people should be in bed by midnight. Yeah? When our Ukrainian friends came... I was so amazed that they went to bed at maybe 2 o'clock in the morning. You remember that? Very late. They kept late hours. But uh, most people, most people in normal circumstances, especially in families when you have children, are in bed by midnight. They were so in Bible times. And he's tucked up. The children are tucked up in bed. And the door is knocking. And the man shouts up what he wants. He says, really, if I can paraphrase it, leave me alone. We're in bed. We don't want to be disturbed. We're not coming down. Even because it is his friend. But he keeps knocking. And you know what it is if somebody just keeps knocking. And they are pestering you. And so he gets up and he gives whatever he needs. Basically, just to get rid of him. And the Lord is using that illustration to teach us that we ought to come persistently. We ought to keep coming for the bread that we need, for the desires of our heart. And we're not coming to a friend that says, go away. We're not coming to one who wants to go to sleep and says, don't bother me. We're coming to one who will receive us, who will listen to us, and who will give us our heart's desire. So there's persistence in prayer. And the Lord uses this illustration for bold, persistent prayer that we're to keep coming and we're to keep knocking on the door until the answer comes. I think verses 9 and 10, although it's a little bit of an elaboration of of the, the illustration, but it's also teaching us the plainness in prayer. You see what the Lord says? Ask. 
shall be given you. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And there's simplicity here. There, there's nothing complicated about this kind of praying. No, even a little child can, can ask and seek and knock and understand that language. And the three verbs that are used here actually are in the continuous sense. Because it's, it means ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. That's why I said it's a follow-on from being persistent to keep coming. But it is showing us the simplicity of prayer, the plainness of prayer. The next couple of verses, I think, are just given for our, for our encouragement as we come to ask and we come seeking and knocking on the door of God. If a son shall ask bread, if any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he he for a fish give him a serpent? Will he ask an egg? Will he offer him a scorpion? And that's just to encourage us that even in earthly terms where a father receives a child asking for something that's good for him, he doesn't turn him away. He doesn't give him something that is, that is adverse. He doesn't give him a stone for bread or doesn't give him a serpent for fish or a scorpion for an egg that he asks for. That's just to encourage us, brethren and sisters, tonight as we come to ask and seek and knock upon the door of heaven. The Lord's willing to give those things that are good for us. And then just to conclude with verse 13, there is this plea in prayer. And it is a plea really for the Spirit of God. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Here's the great need in all of our lives. We need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. You can't come to the Word of God and, and not have the Spirit of God helping you. You'll run into error. You'll not understand it. We need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher every time this book is opened, whether it's privately or publicly. He is the sanctifier who sanctifies his people, who makes us holy. He is the, the comforter who draws alongside to comfort us. He is the interceder. He is the director who directs our way. He is our endowment of power from on high. I need the promised Holy Ghost and I should plead with God that I might obtain the Spirit of God. And how do I obtain it? I ask. That's what Jesus says here. Pray for the Spirit to be given for you personally so that you might live the Christian life the way that God wants you to live it. Pray that the Spirit will be given in the church in all that we do for God in this house that what we do, the labors of our hand will be backed home by the power and the ministry of the Spirit of God. Pray for this preacher. Uh, if there's one thing I would ask the congregation to pray for me, it is for this, that I might receive an endowment of power from on high every time I go out to stand in the pulpit. And pray also that the Spirit of God will be given in this community, that we might know revival, spreading across this town into the homes of the people that live round about. And so we come tonight to God with our desire. Lord, teach us to pray. The Lord has given instruction here. Never say that there's nothing that you can pray for. Before you would ever pray for the host of needs that affect your family and, and our church here, there are many things to, to bring before the Lord that Jesus has spoken about in this passage for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth, for our daily bread, for forgiveness, and for the Spirit of God to be, to be poured out. And keep on bringing these petitions to the Lord with the boldness and the persistence of asking, seeking, and knocking until the Lord comes in answer to our cries. And so I'm saying to you tonight that here's a needful request. And one that everybody can bring. 
And if you should say nothing else in prayer tonight, but this one short little sentence, Lord, and make it personal, teach me to pray. Amen. That would be sufficient. So may the Lord teach us tonight. May the Lord help us even to pray about some of these things and, and there's so many needs that there are in our lives and in the church. The hymn 631 says, Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Let's sing of the words of the hymn as we come shortly to our season of prayer. start to the youth challenge it recommenced as you know last Tuesday night and we had a good number of children um, 75 in this room and then there was 11 in the seniors across in the fellowship area and in this room there were 15 new children for the very first time so we want to acknowledge that tonight and we thank the Lord for it these were the children that gathered on Tuesday night and uh, we want to look at their faces and pray for them, that the Lord will bless them. And Karen brought the clear uh, presentation of the gospel. The ladies' fellowship meeting uh, went fairly well also on Wednesday night. And this was a quick picture I took. I took a few quick pictures before I ex exited and got out. You know, you're just the only man. You feel very intimidated, don't you? But uh, no... Our ladies are good folks, and I uh, want to thank God for all of them. We continue to pray, brethren and sisters from Ukraine, we pray for your country and all that's happening. I want you to pray for the schools ministry, because on Monday, 13 schools were visited with invitations for Youth Challenge, and Greg came with me, the two of us went school by school, 13 of them, the model, Kilmoyle, the William Pinkerton Memorial, Nogahollet, Landhead, Gary Duff, Carrarea, 
Lislagan, Leiden, Colcrow, Balnamores, and Bridget's, and Our Lady of Lourdes. And then on Tuesday, that should say, two more schools were visited, Dalriada and the high school. So 15 all in all. Each school that we went to, we said, listen, and we, we, we used to say this in the past, but uh, a lot's happened over the years, including COVID that shut down schools. We are happy to come and do um, assemblies, etc. And that opened up doors for us immediately. And that same day, we got three bookings, and we were very glad to be able to, to do them. So yesterday, we were in Gary Duff. Um, we did the SU there for an hour with the children in the afternoon when school was finished. This was an after-school uh, curriculum of Scripture Union. Today, this morning, we were in the William Pinkerton Memorial Primary School in Dervik. And we had a lovely time with the children there in assembly this morning. And then tomorrow, in the will of God, we're in the model in the afternoon at 1.30. And then there's a lot of other schools said, listen, give me your details. We'll look in the diary and uh, we'll get back to you with the dates. Some of those other schools will get back, I know. So just pray that we have these opportunities given to us by God, that the Lord will go before us and help us to prepare our own hearts as we go and to bring the message of Christ to the upcoming generation. And there will be times that Greg will be able to help out as well. I think the two of us are going tomorrow uh, just to see what's happening there at the model. We continue to pray for the sake of the church, and these names are very much live with us. We've mentioned Chrissy and Madge already, and Peter at home is, is improving a little bit from what he had been, so we're glad to be able to say tonight that he certainly is feeling good, uh, better now than he has for a long time. And our brother Ivor is making good progress. And Wesley's with us tonight. Uh, do remember these others, please, at the throne of grace. This is the night we also remember the Christian school. Uh, every Friday morning, I take assembly at the Christian school. So we'll be there in the morning. So it's great that this week we've had the opportunity to go into four schools and to talk to the children. We've been asking you to pray for Mrs. Barnes that the Lord will be with her and help her in these days. And she has made a little bit of improvement. And thank you for praying for her. Those that read Daily Light, you will know that this was the verse that was the key verse for today. But I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I think that's a good text for so many here tonight and so many of the things that we're thinking about. If you've joined us on the internet tonight, we want to thank you for being part of our congregation. We are going to say good night to you as we come now as a church to our season of prayer. So may the Lord bless you and be with you just where you are.